Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to this week's Triple Bill, our continuation of the James Bond special from earlier in the week. Um, I'm your host, Stephen Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And James Diamond. Hello. And Q is still struggling to fix Jerry's internet problems, but he has sent us a fax with his choices over. Uh, so that's where we're going to start off. Basically, we were all assigned a James Bond actor at random. I was drawn Daniel Craig. Owen, you were... Roger Moore. And James, you were... George Lazenby. (laughs) (laughs) It's just brilliant. Every time. Every time is brilliant. And Jerry was... Sean Connery. There we go. And as (laughs) Jerry's absent, we'll get his three choices out of the way. Uh, Okay, so Jerry's three choices, and I'll read his words as well. His first choice is Highlander, where I believe that... uh, Sean Connery plays the King of Spain. Uh, amazing <laughs> accent of his. Never changed his um, accent. <laughs> ever. And the King of Spain. Can you do uh, a Spanish accent, Sean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> not that's not Spanish. Don't I'll care. just tell people I'm from Spain. Yeah. You're not going to get you're not going to get anyone else now. <laughs> uh, but as Jerry says, he, Jerry says he's fucking fantastic in this. The film might be a bit ropey. I take slight issue with that, actually. I think Ireland is a great film. But anyway, uh, but actually his performance in it is superb. Properly hams it up and does what he does best, which is be Scottish when he's meant, he meant to be something else. <laughs> um, but no, Sean Connery is one of those who is, he might not be the greatest actor in the world, but he has got, um, he's got film star charisma, definitely. Uh, so his second choice is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Jerry says we all know how ace Sean Connery is, and now he's Indiana Jones' dad too. Enough said. Oh, they yeah. tried to bring him back um, for Crystal Skulls, didn't they, out of retirement, but he wouldn't do it. Yeah. Thank Even God. Even he's got yeah. morals and yeah. standards, uh, despite the fact that, obviously, a massive Scottish nationalist, but lives in America for tax purposes. Mm. Anyway, um, the untouchables. Uh, he says, my hazy memories of this are pretty good and the film in general is damn good as far as I recall. So it just edged Red October as I think he carried the latter a bit. Whereas this is a better all-round film. Honourable mention to Dragonheart or whatever that shite <laughs> film was called where he voiced a CGI dragon. He has made some real stinkers. Was that the, the one with, was that the one with Dennis Quaid? Daniel Quaid? Possibly. Dennis Quaid? Someone Quaid. The Quaid who was in... Um, Randy Quaid. No, the one who was in The Day <laughs> After Tomorrow. That's Dennis Quaid. There Randy we go. Quaid's the one who's in King. <laughs> he was a Quaid. 
Yes. What, um, what so a film great dynasty. I, I talked about the Untouchables on here quite recently. So, yeah, I love the Untouchables. That's Sean Connery as a Boston Irish... No, Chicago <laughs> Irish um, police officer sounding just like Sean Connery. <laughs> but you know what, do you know what would have probably made mine if I was doing Sean Connery? What's that? The Rock. Yeah, it would have made yes. mine, actually. Great yeah, action awesome film. The Rock. The great Rock's action brilliant. Film. Um, the, the Michael Bay film was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah don't get many of them. That I think was when Nick Nick Cage was the best action star in the yeah. world at the time. Yeah. He did The Rock, Con Air, Con Air and Face Off in a yeah. row. Yeah. That is three fucking awesome action yeah. films. So, yeah. Um, but we're not doing Nick Cage. No. Oh, if only we were doing Nick no. Cage roles. I've got, <laughs> I've got a lot of love for Nick. Anyway. Um, yes. Owen, your three Roger Moore films. Um, okay, well, as I said on the last podcast, I didn't, I haven't actually seen any other Roger Moore films outside of the Bond canon until I, till we started doing this podcast special. So I wanted to see a sort of variety. So I saw a couple from before he was Bond. Um, one of which was The Rape of Sabine, which is about Romulus and the, the Sabine, uh, women that sort of brought into Rome and all that stuff, which was a bit crap. So I'm not including that. I did see one which was during Bond where it's called Sherlock Holmes in New York. Um, special. amazing. I mean, yeah, I don't need to explain the plot to that one, I don't think. Um, <laughs> which was all right. It was okay. He was, you know, just hamming it up a bit as short. Was it set in period or was it like slightly modernized? No, period. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, um, that, that wasn't fantastic either, really. But the first film I'm going to talk about is one which is set post Bond. So it's after. Um, which I watched, I, I had it on my watch list before, um, with, uh, purely because it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme film that I hadn't seen. It's mm. called The Quest, um, which is another one of these Frank Dukes or Do or whatever he's called, um, bloke, the, the, who did uh, Kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Or Bloodsport. Mm. You know, but it basically it's one of these fighting tournament things where... Van Damme gets involved in this th- this tournament in the Far East and he has to beat everyone and win the thing at the end to save all these orphans and stuff and it's just a bit... The plot is just really annoying. For, for, for a Van Damme film, I was a bit disappointed, actually. Even the fight scenes in it are rubbish. But I'm going to talk about, instead of Van Damme, um, about Roger Moore, as it's yeah, Bond special and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, Basically, Roger Moore plays this, um, it's kind of a, 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 a two-sided character, really. He's, when he's first introduced, he's like a Navyman who's, um, he rescues, uh, Van Damme from this ship, from some pirates, basically. Um, who's this co- quite English gentleman kind of character, but it turns out actually he's a bit crooked. He's, um, he steals stuff and, you know, he's, he basically tricks Van Damme into um, learning Muay Thai to fight on this island that he leaves him on, which he learns and masters in about two weeks. And then uh, <laughs> Roger Moore comes back and actually buys Van Damme back and enters him into a tournament so he can steal a golden dragon. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not his best character, put it that way. But he's... It's just Roger. He's basically playing Roger Moore in this. Yeah. It's, you know, it. It's very. Um. He's got a lot of one-liners that don't necessarily always work. <laughs> he's um a little bit 
uh, Nath, shall we say, um, he's not he's not the best character, but he, you know, because it, it, it's Roger Moore and he's playing Roger Moore, and he's just naturally quite funny in that role. A lot of his one-liners do bomb, but it's just it's got this kind of natural humour to him, which it, it basically enlivens the film. Without him in it, the film would be really one of Van Damme's worst. But I think because of what Moore brings to it and the way he interacts with Van Damme, they're not two two actors you would naturally associate with one another. <laughs> but they, no. they, <laughs> but they, they do work quite well uh, together and um, they do play off each other quite well. When one is when one's being quite funny, the other one tends to... It brings more out of the other character when they're separated in this film that neither of them are great on their own, but they do work quite well together. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a great film. I was a little bit disappointed in it. Um, but I did watch uh, Cannonball Run as well for the first time, which I hadn't seen. It's one of these films that, uh, you know, Burt Reynolds is in it and it's, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. and um, and Dean Martin are in it. Um, Jackie Chan features in it as well. Peter Fonda's in it. There's loads of famous people in Cannonball Run. But it's basically a kid's film. So about, mainly about Burt Reynolds um, and, uh, Jesus, I've forgotten the guy's name. <laughs> uh, shit, I've forgotten his name. Anyway, Burt Reynolds and his mate who go on this, uh, <laughs> this, well, a Cannonball Run. They go on a race where they have to get from one side of America to the other. Um, and they do it in an ambulance. It's a bit of a screwball comedy. But Roger Moore is featured in it playing uh, kind of a spoof of himself and a spoof of the James Bond character. Um, he drives like this, this fancy car. He's with all the, he's, you know, he's got this woman with him and it's not, it's basically a parody of him, in, of himself, really. Okay. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I, as I say, I hadn't seen this film before. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they, the people who have seen it, it's, it's kind of one of these films they, they've got a lot of nostalgia attached to. I've, I've read a few reviews of it on letterboxd.com, um, mm. from, from people who've reviewed it and they've not reviewed it very fav- favorably. Saying it's one of these films that they do remember being quite good as a kid, but now they've watched it, there's not a lot to like about it. I actually, I quite liked it. I thought it was quite funny in a, in a very innocent sort of way. Um, part, part of that was mainly because of Burt Reynolds. I do quite like Burt Reynolds. I think he's, he's a fantastic actor anyway. And he's got a lot of charisma, which he brings to this film, but also Roger Moore's character in it was quite funny. Um, certainly deserved to get on the list of three films over the Sherlock Holmes film, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you didn't uh, watch Bullseye. I didn't watch Bullseye, no. And there was another With film... Michael Caine. Like, got it. <laughs> I wanted to watch um, uh, Gold as well, which was supposed to be quite good, I think. Um, but I didn't watch that either, no. But, um, yeah, it's just a bit like Wacky Races, isn't it? Cannibal Run. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't have a lot to do. He's just um, quite good in it. But the film uh, that was my favourite Roger Moore film, actually one I think is now one of like my favourite of its type, uh, which was a mystery th- thriller, uh, and I reviewed it on my films uh, of 1970, is The Man Who Haunted Himself. It's already got a great title, see? Oh, I love it, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> How do you haunt yourself? <laughs> well, basically, he uh, plays Harold Pelham, who is this kind of uptight city worker, Bit OCD, bit highly strung kind of guy. 
Um, and he has a serious accident at high speed on a motorway, um, which is quite interesting to watch, actually, because it was virtually empty motorway. I guess they weren't weren't as used as much in 1970. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but he has, he has a bit of a, um, a collision on there. And he wakes up to find out that his life's been kind of turned upside down a little bit. People um, keep saying they've had encounters with him, like in a snooker hall, but he doesn't have any memory of being in the snooker hall and placing these bets. And he's made some arrangements with one of these, one of his associates who he doesn't really like, but it, this guy's adamant that he's been out drinking with him and was invited around to his house. So it's a little bit weird. It plays on these kind of different concepts of about, um, paranoia, a lot of schizophrenia is, is kind of mentioned in psychosis. But also, is is it a, a you know a doppelganger? Is he actually just making all these the, these things up? And is, is he still in a coma? Maybe is it, what's going on? So it's quite good in that sense, uh, uh, delivering this kind of mystery to the story. Mm. Um, but Roger Moore made this film in 1970. It was before he made the Bond films, just just before he became Bond. But also post the Saint, the TV series The Saint, which made him like this household name, where he's yeah. playing this kind of heroic adventurer. So he wanted to do something a bit more serious and it is quite a serious performance from him. It's not at all like an adventure story. Um, it's nothing like what he plays in Bond. He's just this really kind of serious, really stressed on the point of having a nervous breakdown kind of character. Um, and he really walks this fine line through the whole film. And he, it, it in the, um, the, uh, the rape of Sabine, the other film I talked about where he plays Romulus, even that it's, it's, it's a bit sort of theatrical in his performance. Yeah. In this, it's it's not it's not that kind of big, um, you know, really sort of going for it kind of character. It's very understated. It's very plays it very straight, uh, and it is quite a dark story. Um, and yeah, it was just great in it. It was very it plays because it, it's a, quite a sinister plot anyway. The way his performance. Um, through the film develops where he starts to get a bit more manic as it goes along because as I say he starts off as this sort of stiff upper lip British businessman um, but then it, it kind of breaks down throughout the film and he's actually really good in it I mean it's probably my favourite Roger Moore performance now um, I did like I said like I mentioned in the, the last podcast actually Roger Moore I think is gradually becoming one of my favourite Bond actors but in this, it's, it's definitely his, his best performance that I've seen. I think it's a bit of an underrated film. And, um, I, you know, if you like psychological thrillers, then I definitely recommend this. It's, it's very good. Excellent. And Moore is good in it. That's the main main point, I think. He's, mm. it's, it's good as good as it is because of Roger Moore. Um, well, James, do we want to end on Lazenby or do we want to end on the current Bond, Daniel Craig? Should we end on the current Bond? Okay. <laughs> Let's not end on Lazenby. Let's go with George Lazenby and start off with, did you watch an Emmanuel film? No. Um, <laughs> sadly, I've not been able to source a single one of the nine Emmanuel TV movies that uh, George Lazenby made in 1993 with the uh, uh, these now sadly deceased. Um, I've forgotten her name now, Cristal. Sophia Cristal, who played Emmanuel, uh, came back as the older version of Emmanuel to tell the stories of her former sexual exploits to George Lazenby sat on a plane. George Lazenby never engaged in any activities in the Emmanuel films. Uh, no, he did not get 
he did not get Mr. Bond out. No, right. he didn't. Um, so I, I'll be honest, it's difficult to source George Lazenby films <laughs> in any shape or form. So I have got three performances that I, I'm going to talk about. These will technically be my three favourite performances because they are the three performances <laughs> I've been able to find. Um, the, the first one I want to talk about, uh, he's in it for two and a half minutes. It's, um, it's an interesting, uh, he's in it for a two and a half minute bit of which he's in it for about a minute. Um, it's the Kentucky Fried movie, uh, which is directed by John Landis, actually, and was written by David Zucker and Jim Abrahams, who people will know as the writing team behind Police Squad, the Naked Gun films, and Airplane, Top Secret. That time. This was one of their first films. They were known back then as the Kentucky Fried Theatre Company. They did a lot of um, sketch comedy in, in theatres and things like that. Uh, and this was their first film, which was just essentially a series of short sketches put together, a bit like a Monty Python f- film. Uh, they were very much the the American Monty Python, which means they weren't quite as sophisticated as Monty Python. <laughs> um, uh, it is, it's really weird, actually, watching Kentucky Fried Movie now. It's, it is a comedy that people would it genuinely not get away with today. Um, there's some quite shocking scenes. Uh, for example, there is a scene about people who are kind of like uh, extreme sports pe- type people, but one of them runs into a group of black people and yells the N-word. That, that, that's, that's a joke. All right. right. Okay. Uh, there's a kind of a, a trailer for... It's got a number of trailers for fake films. One of them is about Catholic schoolgirls gone bad or something like that. And it's just got loads of women with their tits out in showers and stuff like that. Really exploitative. The section that... um... to this week's Triple Bill, our continuation of the James Bond special from earlier in the week. Um, I'm your host, Stephen Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And James Diamond. Hello. And Q is still struggling to fix Jerry's internet problems, but he has sent us a fax with his choices over. Uh, So that's where we're going to start off. Basically, we were all assigned a James Bond actor at random. I was drawn Daniel Craig. Owen, you were... Roger Moore. And James, you were... George Lazenby. As <laughs> <laughs> you said, brilliant. Every time. Every time is brilliant. And Jerry was... Sean Connery. There we go. <laughs> and as Jerry's absent, we'll get his three choices out of the way. Uh, okay, so Jerry's three choices, and I'll read his words as well. His first choice is Highlander where I believe that uh, Sean Connery plays the King of Spain. Uh, it was an amazing <laughs> accent of his. Never changed his um, accent. <laughs> ever. I'm the King of Spain. Can you do uh, a Spanish accent, Sean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's, not, that's not Spanish. Don't I'll care. I'll just tell people I'm from Spain. Yeah. You're not going to get anyone else now. 
but as Jerry says, he, Jerry says he's fucking fantastic in this. The film might be a bit ropey. I take slight issue with that, actually. I think Ireland is a great film. But anyway, uh, but actually his performance in it is superb. Properly hams it up and does what he does best, which is be Scottish when, he meant, when he's meant to be something else. <laughs> um, but no, Sean Connery is one of those who is, he might not be the greatest actor in the world, but he has got... Um, He's got film star charisma, definitely. Uh, so his second choice is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Jerry says, we all know how ace Sean Connery is, and now he's Indiana Jones' dad too. Enough said. Oh, they yeah. tried to bring him back um, for Crystal Skulls, didn't they, out of retirement, but he wouldn't do it. Yeah. Thank Even God. Even he's got yeah. morals and yeah. standards, uh, despite the fact that Obviously a massive Scottish nationalist, but lives in America for tax purposes. Mm. Anyway, um, the untouchables, uh, he says, my hazy memories of this are pretty good and the film in general is damn good as far as I recall. So it just edged Red October as I think he carried the latter a bit, whereas this is a better all round film. Honourable mention to Dragonheart or whatever that shite <laughs> film was called where he voiced a CGI dragon. He has made some real stinkers. Was that the, the one with, was that the one with Dennis Quaid? Daniel Quaid, Dennis Quaid, someone Quaid. The Quaid who was in... um, Randy Quaid. No, the one who was in The Day (laughs) After Tomorrow. That's Dennis Quaid. Randy Quaid's the one who's in King. (laughs) He was a Quaid. Yes. What Um, a film's great dynasty. I I talked about The Untouchables on here quite recently, so yeah, I love The Untouchables. That's Sean Connery as a Boston Irish... No, Chicago (laughs) Irish... um, Police officer sounding just like Sean Connery. <laughs> but you know what? Do you know what would have probably made mine if I was doing Sean Connery? What's that? The Rock. Yeah, it would have made yes. mine actually. Great yeah, action awesome film. The Rock. The Great Rock's action brilliant. film. Um, the Michael Bay film was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah you don't get many of and them. That I was think when Nick Nick Cage was the best action star in yeah. the world at the time, yeah. he did The Rock, Conair, Conair, and Face Off in a yeah. row. Yeah. That is three. Fucking awesome action yeah. films. So, yeah. Um, but we're not doing Nick Cage. No. Oh, if only we were doing Nick no. Cage roles. I've got, a, <laughs> I've got a lot of love for Nick. Anyway. Um, yes. Owen, your three Roger Moore films. Um, okay. Well, as I said on the last podcast, I didn't... I haven't actually seen any other Roger Moore films outside of the Bond can until I... Till we started doing this podcast special. So I wanted to see a sort of variety. So I saw a couple from before he was Bond. Um, one of which was The Rape of Sabine, which is about Romulus and the, the Sabine, uh, women that sort of brought into Rome and all that stuff, which was a bit crap. So I'm not including that. I did see one which was during Bond where it's called Sherlock Holmes in New York. Um, so sure. amazing. I mean, yeah, I don't need to explain the plot to that one. I don't think. Um, <laughs> Which was all right. It was okay. He was, you know, just hamming it up a bit as short. Was it short. set in period or was it like slightly modernised? No, period. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, um, that, that wasn't fantastic either, really. But the first film I'm going to talk about is one which is set post Bond. So it's after, um, which I watched. I, I had it on my watch list before, um, with, uh, purely because it's a John Claude Van Damme film that I hadn't seen. It's mm. called The Quest. Um, which is another one of these Frank Dukes or Do or whatever he's called, um, bloke, the, the, who did, uh, Kickboxer with John Claude Van Damme. Or Bloodsport. Mm. You know, but it basically, it's one of these fighting tournament things where 
Van Dam gets involved in this th- this tournament in the Far East, and he has to beat everyone and win the thing at the end to save all these orphans and stuff. And it's just a bit. The plot is just really annoying. For 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 a Van Dam film, I was a bit disappointed actually. Even the fight scenes in it are rubbish. But I'm going to talk about instead of Van Dam, um, about Roger Moore, as it's yeah Bond special and all that. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. Basically, Roger Moore plays this, um, it's kind of a, 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 a two-sided character, really. He's, when he's first introduced, he's like a navyman who's, um, he rescues, uh, Van Damme from this ship, from some pirates, basically. Um, who's this co- quite English gen- gentleman kind of character, but it turns out actually he's a bit crooked. He's, um, he steals stuff and, you know, he's, he basically tricks Van Damme into um, learning Muay Thai to fight on this island that he leaves him on, which he learns and masters in about two weeks. And then uh, <laughs> Roger Moore comes back and actually buys Van Damme back and enters him into a tournament so he can steal a golden dragon. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not his best character, put it that way. But he's... It's just Roger. He's basically playing Roger Moore in this. Yeah. It's, you know, it. It's very. Um. He's got a lot of one-liners that don't necessarily always work. <laughs> he's um a little bit uh, naff, shall we say? Um. Pff, he's not. He's not the best character. But he. You know. Because it, it's Roger Moore and he's playing Roger Moore and he's just naturally quite funny in that role. A lot of his one-liners do bomb, but it's just. It's got this kind of natural humour to him which basically enlivens the film without him in it the film would be really one of Van Damme's worst but I think because of what Moore brings to it and the way he interacts with Van Damme they're not two two actors you would naturally associate with one another (laughs) but they they, they do work quite well uh, together and um, they do play off each other quite well when one is when one's being quite funny, the other one tends to... It brings more out of the other character. When they're separated in this film, that neither of them are great on their own, but they do work quite well together. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't a great film. I was a little bit disappointed in it. Um, but I did watch uh, Cannonball Run as well for the first time, which I hadn't seen. It's one of these films that, uh, you know, Burt Reynolds is in it, and it's, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. and um, and Dean Martin are in it, Um Jackie Chan features in it as well. Peter Fonda's in it. There's loads of famous people in Cannonball Run. But it's basically a kid's film. So about, mainly about Burt Reynolds um, and... Uh, Jesus, I've forgotten the guy's name. <laughs> uh, shit, I've forgotten his name. Anyway, Burt Reynolds and his mate who go on this... Uh, <laughs> this Well, a Cannonball Run. They go on a race where they have to get from one side of America to the other. Um and they do it in an ambulance. It's a bit of a screwball comedy. But Roger Moore is featured in it playing uh, kind of a spoof of himself and a spoof of the James Bond character. Um, he drives like this this fancy car. He's with all the, you know, he's got this woman with him, and it's not. It's basically a parody of him of himself, really. Okay. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I, as I say, I hadn't seen this film before. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they, the people who have seen it, it's, it's kind of one of these films they, they've got a lot of nostalgia attached to. 
I've, I've read a few reviews of it on letterboxd.com um, mm. from, from people who've reviewed it, and they've not reviewed it very fav- favourably. Saying it's one of these films like they do remember being quite good as a kid, but now they've watched it, there's not a lot to like about it. I actually, I quite liked it. I thought it was quite funny in a in a very innocent sort of way. Um, part part of that was mainly because of Burt Reynolds. I do quite like Burt Reynolds. I think he's he's a fantastic actor anyway, and he's got a lot of charisma which he brings to this film. But also, Roger Moore's character in it was quite funny. Um, certainly deserved to get on the list of three films over the Sherlock Holmes film. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, but you didn't uh, watch Bullseye. I didn't watch Bullseye, no. And there was another With film. Michael Caine, I'm gutted. <laughs> I wanted to watch um, uh, Gold as well, which was supposed to be quite good, I think. Um, but I didn't watch that either, no. But um, yeah, it's just a bit like Wacky Races, isn't it? Cannibal, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, he doesn't have a lot to do. He's just um, quite good, in it. But the film I, that was my favourite Roger Moore film, actually one I think is now one of like my favourite of its type, uh, which was a mystery th- thriller. Uh, and I reviewed it on my films uh, of 1970, is The Man Who Haunted Himself. It's already got a great title, see? Oh, I love it, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... intrigued. <laughs> How do you haunt yourself? <laughs> well, basically, he uh, plays Harold Pelham, who is this kind of uptight city worker, a bit OCD, a bit highly strung kind of guy. Um, and he has a serious accident at high speed on a motorway. Um which is quite interesting to watch, actually, because it was virtually empty motorway. I guess they weren't weren't as used as much in 1970. But um, <laughs> yeah, but he has he has a bit of a, um, a collision on there, and he wakes up to find out that his life's being kind of turned upside down a little bit. People um, keep saying they've had encounters with him, like in a snooker hall, but he doesn't have any memory of being in the snooker hall and placing these bets. And he's made some arrangements with one of these one of his associates who he doesn't really like, but it, this guy's adamant that he's been out drinking with him and was invited round to his house. So it's a little bit weird. It plays on these kind of different concepts of about um, paranoia. A lot of schizophrenia is, is kind of mentioned in psychosis. But also, is is it a, a you know a doppelganger? Is he actually just making all these the, these things up? And is, is he still in a coma, maybe? Is, what's going on? So it's quite good in that sense, uh, uh, delivering this kind of mystery to the story. Mm. Um, but Roger Moore made this film in 1970. It was before he made the Bond films, just just before he became Bond, but also post The Saint, the TV series The Saint, which made him like this household name where he's yeah. playing this kind of heroic adventurer. So he wanted to do something a bit more serious, and it is quite a serious performance from him. It's not at all like an adventure story. Um, it's nothing like what he plays in Bond He's just this really kind of serious, really stressed on the point of having a nervous breakdown kind of character. Um, and he really walks this fine line through the whole film. And he, it, it, in the, um, the, uh, the Rape of Sabine, the other film I talked about where he plays Romulus, even that it's, it's, it's a bit sort of theatrical in his performance. Yeah. In this, it's, it's not, it's not that kind of big, um, you know, really sort of going for it kind of character. It's very understated. It's very, plays it very straight. Uh, and it is quite a dark story. Um, and yeah, it was just great in it. It was very, it plays it, cause it's a, quite a sinister plot anyway. The way his performance, um, through the film develops, where he starts to get a bit more manic as it goes along. Cause he, as I say, he starts off as this sort of stiff upper lip British businessman. 
Um, and it, it kind of breaks down throughout the film. And he's actually really good in it. I mean, it's probably my favourite Roger Moore performance now. Um, I did, like I said, like I mentioned in the, the last podcast, actually, Roger Moore, I think, is gradually becoming one of my favourite Bond actors. But in this, it's, it's definitely his, his best performance that I've seen. I think it's a bit of an underrated film. And, um, I, you know, if you like psychological thrillers, then I definitely recommend this. It's, it's very good. Excellent. And Moore is good in it. That's the main main point, I think. He's, mm. It's, it's good, as good as it is because of Roger Moore. Um. Well, James, do we want to end on Lazenby or do we want to end on the current Bond, Daniel Craig? Should we end on the current Bond? Okay. <laughs> Let's not end on Lazenby. Let's go with George Lazenby and start off with, did you watch an Emmanuel film? No. Um, <laughs> sadly, I've not been able to source a single one of the nine Emmanuel TV movies that uh, George Lazenby made in 1993 with the... Uh, uh, these now sadly deceased. Um, I forgot her name now. Cristal, <laughs> Sophia Cristal, who played Emmanuel, uh, came back as the older version of Emmanuel to tell the stories of her former sexual exploits to George Lazenby sat on a plane. George, on a, George Lazenby flight. never engaged in any he did not, activities he's not that type of man in, that, in, no. in so, the Emmanuel films. Uh, no, he did not get. He did not get Mr. Bond out. No, right. he didn't. Um, so I, I'll be honest, it's difficult to source George Lazenby films <laughs> in any shape or form. So yeah. I have got three performances that I, I'm going to talk about. These will technically be my three favourite performances because they are the three performances <laughs> I've been able to find. Um, the, the first one I want to talk about, uh, he's in it for two and a half minutes. It's... um. It's an interesting... Uh, he's in it for a two-and-a-half-minute bit, of which he's in it for about a minute. Um, it's the Kentucky Fried Movie, uh, which is directed by John Landis, actually, and was written by David Zucker and Jim Abrahams, who people will know as the writing team behind Police Squad, the Naked Gun films, and Airplane, Top Secret, that time. This was one of their first films. They were known back then as the Kentucky Fried Theatre Company. They did a lot of... Um, sketch comedy in, in theatres and things like that. Uh, and this was their first film, which was just essentially a series of short sketches put together, a bit like a Monty Python film. Uh, they were very much the the American Monty Python, which means they weren't quite as sophisticated as Monty Python. <laughs> um, uh, it is, it's really weird, actually, watching Kentucky Fried Movie now. It's, it is a comedy that people would it genuinely not get away with today. Um, there's some quite shocking scenes. Uh, for example, there is a scene about people who are kind of like uh, extreme sports pe- type people, but one of them runs into a group of black people and yells the N-word. That, that, that's, that's a joke. All right. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, there's a kind of a, a trailer for... It's got a number of trailers for fake films. One of them is about Catholic schoolgirls gone bad or something like that. And it's just got loads of women with their tits out in showers and <laughs> stuff like that. Really exploitative. The section that um, George Lazenby is in is in a, uh, 
a parody of disaster movies, which were very popular at the time. This was out in 77. A lot of disaster movies made in the 70s. This was uh, for a film called That's Armageddon, um, which I like as a title, actually. Um, and he plays the architect, and he sat at his desk saying, this building is completely safe, and then the building starts to fall around around it. It's, um, it's also got Donald Sutherland in as the clumsy waiter. Donald Sutherland, no lines, walks in with a big cake and falls in it. That's all he does. It's weird. Um, it's about an hour and 20 minutes long. There is some genuinely funny bits in it, but some of it does feel very, very dated, and some of it feels dated in the sense of being possibly quite homophobic, sexist, or racist. So I didn't feel, my liberal self did not feel very comfortable watching bits of this film. Uh, so that's the first one. That's but, a good start. But you still it? found the film with um, elements of sexism, homophobicness, and um, the other thing you said that I can't remember now. Racism, that's the one. Um, Where were you putting in your top three films of George Lazenby? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, when I tell you the next film... If that's number three, I can't wait to hear what's number one. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go for number two now, Death Dimension. Um, (laughs) This film has a rating of 2.1 on the Internet Movie Database. Does it deserve it? This is it? now <laughs> the lowest rated film on IMDb that I have ever seen. Okay. How many um, films are lower rated? Pardon? Well, how many films are rated lower? Oh, there, there are still thousands uh-huh. of films rated lower, but <laughs> I have no idea where you'd see them. Um, there's one which is a... The, the, the lowest rated one is an Italian animation about... Uh, the sinking of the Titanic and about how it's all Shark's fault or something like that. I, I need to see that film. Um, the Death Dimension was made in 1978, directed by Al Adamson, which sounds like a made-up name. Like, he made this and went, no, I don't want to know I made this. Uh, yeah, well, just put Al Adamson. Um, the great bit, the best bit of this film is the title sequence, which is a woman having something surgically implanted into her forehead with a theme tune over it, which is three different theme tunes at the same time. Um, you've got some John Carpenter synthy dread bass going on, the theme tune to Taxi, and um, some 70s porn jazz as well. Uh, it sounds like amazing. Where did you find this? Just like listeners can... Um, um, this was... I got this on Love Film. They have the disc available. You can get it as a disc via Love Film. It hey, is not available God. for online streaming <laughs> don't anywhere. Believe it. Um, now, th- there's a bit of a link here to Bond. The main villain in this is played by the guy who played Odd Job in the... Uh, okay. Uh, so we've got a Bond link here. So we've got George Lazenby uh, and we've got Odd Job in this. Now, Odd Job plays a gangster called The Pig who has funded and wants to steal uh, a scientist's secret freeze bomb. Okay, then you see the freeze bomb in action. There's three men kind of tied to a stake on an island somewhere and the freeze bomb goes off and it looks like, I don't know, Dartmoor in January. Uh, There's there's (laughs) a bit of snow on the ground and they've frozen to death in a bar. Apparently the scientists developed it so that there would be no more drought. It's weird. How's that work? Yeah, oh, God knows. The title sequence as well, this is brilliant. At one point it says, Introducing Myron Bruce Lee. Oh, meet the character played by Myron <laughs> Bruce Lee. They've cast someone with the name Bruce Lee in there purely 
to trade off that because there's a bit of kung fu going on in the film. The main hero um, is a black kung fu instructing police officer um, and he has to bring down an international crime syndicate like from his local priest. It seems like a CIA job to me. Or yeah, They've just got yeah. a guy who teaches Kung Fu at lunchtime to break him down. His captain is played by George Lazenby, who is just a, a bit of a, a shanky captain. Right. Um, and there's one point, there was a killing, and um, and all George Lazenby keeps saying is, why Haitian? Because this black guy reckons that the person who killed someone is Haitian. And he he doesn't explain why for age Georgie Lazen was just saying, but why Haitian? It's like and I'm going, Yeah, why why the fuck is he Haitian? <laughs> and like eventually it's something about them like wearing a certain ring on their left hand or just, Right. Um there's a throat rip in it, which was quite cool. Um oh, quite interesting. He had, in his karate lesson when he's teaching Kung Fu to other police people, he actually says at one point, No roundhouse kicks or reckless swings could lead to a counter. I'll say, oh, the fight scenes of this are going to be shit then, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. If he's not going to bother using roundhouse kicks. But, to be fair, there are a few fight scenes with a nunchuck in later on, so that's quite good. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, at one point, Lazenby, as Captain Gallagher tells him to search all Kung Fu Haitian Kung Fu experts in Nevada. Yeah, that doesn't give you much. Oh, that, surely that's one. There can't be that many Haitian Kung Fu experts in all of Nevada. It's ridiculous. It, it's almost been written as a bad film. Um, oh, there's a great line as well when uh, our hero goes to sleep. She says, I don't think I can make it without you. And he says, let's see if you can make it with me. Boom. boom, 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 boom <laughs> wow, wow. wow. <laughs> Sex. And then some people like get into their apartment and he fights them off, obviously. Um, he goes to a brothel at one point and not only is the brothel lineup of women one of the worst lineups of women full stop I've ever seen in my you know, um, but the acting there was worse than any porn I've ever seen online and I've seen uh, but um, <laughs> Manuel yeah, it, it was terrible um, it was just a series of unconnected honestly it do not watch this. It is terrible. It is the kind of film that when I was 18 and a dickhead, I would have raved about to my mates because I loved it in an ironic fashion. I've grown up and I, I, I hate that I wasted my time watching this film. So that's my number two choice for George Lazenby. It seems like it could be one of Tarantino's favourite films from the way you've yes, described it. As, as, as a quick aside, how yes. does George Lazenby's outing as Bond rate. He only had the one outing. Interesting. Um, it's actually one of the better Bond films full stop. Honor Her Majesty's Secret Service is a really good Bond film. Um, it's got a very personal story. Lazenby, I think Lazenby did a decent job as Bond, but apparently the he, Chubby Broccoli thought he was too uh, cocky as a youngster and he was an Aussie as well which doesn't quite sit right Aussie and an ex-male model um, but he, he's he's a decent Bond I think um, uh, yeah On Her Majesty's Secret Service is a very good Bond film actually it's, it's one worth watching and he doesn't let it down put it that way okay so uh, your number one ever George Lazenby film is actually a decent film hey um <laughs> It's a film called Who Saw Her Die. It's directed by Aldo Lado. 
and it is available on Love Film Instant. And it's an Italian giallo film. Uh, Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Really, really interestingly, it, it features a couple who are kind of going through, they're estranged at the moment, they're not divorced yet, um, and their daughter gets killed in Venice and they are they spend the film looking for the the murderer and a lot of people at home are probably thinking, hang on, isn't that the plot to Don't Look Now? And interestingly this was released a year before Don't Look Now and there's a number of stylistic bits which I think Nick Rogue pretty much stole from this film. Although Don't Look Now is a brilliant film and is actually better than this film, in my opinion. But um, this is really good. The best bits about this film, uh, Who Saw a Die, are the direction. Uh, some of the shots of Venice are absolutely beautiful, and uh, Lado's camera seems to swoop almost anywhere it wants to go, which is fantastic. You, you're watching some of the tracking shots and thinking, how's he, how's he actually getting that shot? There's canal there. It's really, really beautifully shot. The other brilliant thing about it is it's got an Ennio Morricone soundtrack, which... It's always going to be good. Mm. Only doesn't do bad soundtracks, but this is a really good soundtrack, and he uses a children's choir for some of the scary bits, which is, just really puts my teeth on edge listening to it. Um, there's quite a lot of, like a lot of these girl films, a lot of quick symbolic cuts which don't make much sense until you actually start thinking about what the things they're showing represent. Like something will be happening, and all of a sudden it will cut to some like ravens so you know well why was okay oh maybe because death is being foreshadowed that kind of thing so you've got to do a bit of thinking there it's not just uh filming people doing stuff it's it is more from an artistic point of view there um george lazenby plays the father he plays franco uh who is a sculptor whose daughter dies and he is looking for the killer. And it's genuinely a very good performance from him. He is charming at the beginning. He he, feels, he has a nice dynamic and a relationship with his daughter. And you set them up. You think, oh, no, they, they get on really nice. It's going to be a real shame when she dies, which I know is going to happen. Um, but, and once she dies, he starts going very paranoid. He starts losing all his friends. He He plays it really well. My only trouble with understanding some of it was a lot of it is dubbed. Uh, and with a lot of these Gallo films, the Italian actors did their dialogue in Italian and English speaking actors did their language in English. So it, it looks a bit odd at times. Do they have a conversation between the two? Yes, they do. In, in but, English and Italian. <laughs> but, but it's all dubbed. So the Italian mm. people are dubbed and it really doesn't match their lips. But then George Lazenby has also gone in and redubbed his dialogue. And it's almost like they didn't actually record any dialogue on set. Mm. Um, There's some films, though, in that genre where the dialogue will literally start, even though it's all dubbed, will start switching between English and Italian. That's really confusing. 
yeah, that can be really a bit of an odd. And there's a few moments in here, um, almost like whether it's the Italian words where they go, well, everyone else must know what that means. And you go, no, no, yeah. do this. <laughs> right. Like, um, but yeah, it was, uh, oh yeah, at one point there was a really weird bit where he went out to investigate a, a similar death and a man threatened to shoot him, then challenged him to a game of ping pong, which he had. <laughs> uh, that was odd. Uh, mm. I still get what happened there. But overall, I enjoyed it actually. And it was quite, it was a nice introduction to the Giallo films after seeing Barbarian Sound Studio recently and absolutely loving that. And, um, seeing Owen's number one choice, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, in mm. his 1970 decade article. I've recently got that as well, so I'm looking forward to seeing a few yes. more. Because I do think they're the types of films that you need to get into. They're an acquired taste, but I'm hoping that I can acquire the taste and get some enjoyment out of them, because you have to go in with a different set of expectations, I think. Wouldn't you agree, Owen? You can't... Yeah. I mean, what you said earlier about you have to sort of sit there and appreciate that they're not literally representing something. There's there's meaning behind certain scenes. So when they they kind of stand out as not having any kind of narrative purpose, what they're trying to do is is reinforce something else because the stories they often work with are fantastic. They were based on a lot of them are adapted from these pulp fiction kind of books. So when you when you're watching the film, you have to kind of appreciate what the director is doing with with it visually i think so you, yeah. you have to you have to really sort of focus on that side of it and sometimes ignore minor plot holes and stuff and just just go with it yeah and it's italian cities do provide some brilliant locations oh yeah uh, and there is just some fantastic camera work and editing and quite often a really good score and play as well um and like you say sometimes you've just got a slightly ignore or forgive the plots mm. but yeah I, I enjoyed it but yeah that's my best George. so it's my three favourite George Lazenby films it's my three films of George Lazenby that I have seen um <laughs> brilliant <laughs> I, don't, don't I have you. added Death Dimension to my love film list next whilst we were doing this podcast <laughs> oh can't <laughs> wait to talk to you about it <laughs> um right Daniel Craig, my favourite three Daniel Craig films. I had Christian Bale for the Batman um, special as well. And I suffered a similar problem in, he's got a really iconic role, but he's not actually been in that much. You kind of think that, because they're a bit older and they're in these big roles, they have a really sort of big, long back catalogue of films to pick from. And he hasn't. (laughs) He actually hasn't. Let's see what you got, Jerry, and then we'll see how I'm not Jerry. To, well, not Jerry. Oh, God, it's t- I'm tired. It's tired. See, I can't even talk. Um, Sorry, Steve. First one, I'll go in chronological order. Uh, Layer Cake. Yeah. Um, 2004, directed by Matthew Vaughan. Um, so it's got a very, uh, lock, stock and two smoking barrels and snatch feel to it, which doesn't surprise me if Matthew Vaughan's directing. He he produced those two films and yeah. worked with Guy Ritchie and is probably mates with Guy Ritchie. So a British gangster film is probably right up his alley and it certainly was a layer cake. Um, and it had that theme of, you know, three, four intertwined. I haven't seen it for a long time. Three or four different plots all kind of meet at the end to tie up the story um, quite nicely. Um, I haven't really watched it for a long time. I remember Daniel Craig, Unnamed throughout the whole film, 
he's kind of a a drug dealer, successful one, but he doesn't really like the violence himself. But conveniently, as people in his industry do in films who don't like doing the violence, they've got people to do it for them. One of yeah. them is playing by Cole, he, Cole he, Meany. And he doesn't even do the violence to begin with, does he? He's no. far more... Uh, a, he's kind of like just a slightly illegitimate businessman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got... You know, Dexter Fletcher and Jason Fleming turn up in the film at various points, as they have to. My in... good friend Jason Fleming. Oh, yeah, we forgot to say that. And so there's um, <laughs> Jamie Foreman, recently seen as one of the Brannings in EastEnders. Uh, it has got Michael Gambon in, yeah, uh, uh, who is incredible in everything he's ever in. So I love Layer Cake. I think Layer Cake's a fantastic mm, film. It is. And I think Matthew Vaughan is a really, really good director. I think he's going to make, because he's done Kick-Ass as well. And uh, Stardust was great. And he did the mm. most recent X-Men. I think he's going to make some brilliant films over he's, the next few years. He's not, uh, Daniel Craig isn't the only Skyfall actor to appear in Layer Cake. Hang on. Ben Whishaw, who plays oh, Q, is is in there playing... Um, he plays Sidney, Jamie Foreman character's the Duke's nephew, who is a bit of an idiot. But, oh, yeah. I'll uh, have to rewatch that again, though. But is is going out with Sienna Miller, so, I mean, there's some perks to everything, <laughs> I suppose. I mean, I'd be happily that much of an idiot if that happened to me. <laughs> but it won't... I'm not that much of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, a good film in, in the style of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, but um, very good all the same. Um, the next film on my list is Munich. Again, not seen it for a long time, so someone might have to talk. Somebody actually can communicate a sentence about the film. I've, I've never better watched to... Munich. No, I've not got no. around to it. I'm going to have to wing my way through this subject yeah. area on my own then. Um, basically, the 1972 Olympics in Munich, some of the um, Israeli team were... Uh, 11 Israeli athletes were murdered um, by um, Black September members, which I can't quite remember. What black, they're a terrorist group, but I can't I quite remember what they're... I think they were um, connected to... Uh, Palestine. Um, I think that would be fair to say. So the Israeli government devises an eye for eye list of retaliation of 11 people um, who they assume are responsible in some way for this um, thing happening um, and end up having to fix some way of plausible deniability so they can't get the blame themselves. And a group of um, well, they're Jewish people. Um, led by a character called Avner, played by Eric Banner, um, and featuring Daniel Craig as a, um, a South African driver called Steve, um, end up going around and trying to hunt down these 11 people on this list and assassinate them. So it's, it's obviously got some kind of moral underpinning to the story, but it's also a really good thriller as well. Um, and shot on in many different locations, set in many different places, from New York, London, Spain, um, Munich, the Middle East, basically all around the world. Nominated for five Oscars as well. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've always assumed it's one of Spielberg's worst films. Cause it's, 
it just doesn't. Just, I, I remember seeing trailers for it and thinking it's, it doesn't. It's, like, well, it's very well received. Nominated for, like I said, five Oscars. Um, what was I? Yeah, that's not always a good judge, though. For no, it's, it's got. It does quite well. I'm trying to find where it had the. It, it, it rates really highly on, highly on different, you know, review mm. websites that I'm trying to find now. And 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, 7.7 on IMDb, yeah. Yeah, so it's fairly, fairly steady. I, I, I've been meaning to watch it. It's just, mm. uh, there's so many films to like watch. It, but, yeah. mm, but it's like I said, there's, so there's so little Daniel Craig films to pick from as well. Cowboys and Aliens, Steve. Yeah, I didn't go from that. I've not seen it, but I've, <laughs> was surprised. it was it you that reviewed it for us? You yes. said it was terrible. Yeah, it looks terrible. So, well, what's your third one then, Steve? Uh, it is the th- from last year, The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I'd never read the book because it's a book and I've got a life. <laughs> uh, that's, that's only a joke, obviously. Um, I haven't got a life. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I've never seen the original Swedish one because it is Swedish, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because that would involve reading subtitles, and I've got a life. <laughs> Obviously not. Um, but no, I I don't know if it's a it's a good translation of the book to film, or if it's a good version of the original one. But I just thought it was a good film. Throughout, really, it was you know entertaining. It was it was you know, combination of good action, a good plot. The characters were, um, in you know, you wanted to follow their characters through the film to the conclusion and see what happened to them. Daniel Craig wasn't the best performance in it by a mile. It was the the Lisbeth Slander played by Rooney Mara. Yeah. Um, mm. Have either of you seen the film? I've not seen that one. No. I've got the originals on DVD. Mm. I'm just, I want to watch those before I watch the, the remake and uh, just finding the time to sit and watch three two and a half hour long films before I watch that one. But I mean, I've heard good things about it though. Yeah, it I've was, it, it was really good. Uh, Daniel Craig doesn't attempt Swedish accent at all. Very no. Sean Connery in that respect. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what Daniel Craig films have you guys seen that I haven't mentioned? I can't, um, I really like Enduring Love, the um, adaptation of an Ian McEwan novel, uh, where uh, Daniel Craig is one of a number of people who are out picnicking and a hot air balloon goes past and there's a little girl trapped on it and uh, a few of them jump up to grab it to try and keep it to the ground and it starts rising and Daniel Craig's one of the people who lets go and obviously when they let go, the people who... the there's one person who stays kind of like trying to drag it back down, gets pulled up and falls from the balloon and dies. And then there's quite a kind of psychological horror behind, well, not horror, psychological thriller. Reese Evans plays someone else who was there that day and he starts kind of stalking Daniel Craig. It's a really interesting film. But a lot of my favourite Daniel Craig performances come from television, actually, because he was um, in, I think it was a Robert Harris adaptation called Archangel that was set in Russia hmm. uh, on BBC TV. I, I enjoyed that. See, I started and... watching that because I was I looked on Netflix US for stuff with him in. Yeah. And usually on Netflix US it tells you if things are a uh, TV series or not. And they have like TV it. it'll have like TV however many episodes 
and it didn't for this. I thought, that's a film with Daniel Craig in it. So I watched it, and it got to the end of the first part. I thought, well, this isn't even a film, so I'm not even going to bother watching it anymore. If it's good, I'll carry on watching it at some point. But I, just I liked like, it. I yeah. enjoyed it. Um, but it, I think his big breakthrough was in Our Friends in the North, where mm. he played Geordie and that, and he, he's really, really good in that. Um, right. Yes, that's it for this week's Triple Bill. What's next week's Triple Bill? Next week's Triple Bill is... It's either going to be our favourite men and women of the cloth, or we might give people our scary films triple bill that we've still not given them yet. I don't know. There'll there'll be a triple bill. There we go. That's what that's what I'll tell you. If we if we do our favourite men and women of the cloth, all four of us will pick Whoopi Goldberg from Sister Act Two. Interesting. You you went for the sequel there, Steve. I think it's better film. Original. (laughs) Like a Sister Act Two more than Sister Act One. Just, just me though. I mean, yeah. Technically, we can't pick her because she's not actually a nun in the film. Uh, doesn't a... she become a nun for the second one though? No, she just pretends to be one. Again, yeah. Oh, nice twist. Yeah. So, <laughs> so technically, yeah. But if we can't, that means I can't have um, Eric Idle and Robbie Coltrane from Nuns on the Run either. No, that's true. <laughs> um, maybe we should I'm be so thought this through. Yeah, we should be so strict with this. <laughs> Right, yes, um, that'll do for this week then. Uh, thanks yes. for James and Jerry for, for joining me. Thanks for Jerry um, for and Owen and me. Yeah, and Owen. Um, <laughs> it's late. Don't what's happening. Yeah, thanks, thanks to you lot. Thanks to everyone listening. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music, and um, see you next week. Streaming don't anywhere. believe it. Um, now, th- there's a bit of a link here to Bond. The main villain in this is played by the guy who played Odd Job in the. Uh, okay. Uh, so we've got a Bond link here. So we've got George Lazenby uh, and we've got Odd Job in this. Now, Odd Job plays a gangster called The Pig who has funded and wants to steal uh, a scientist's secret freeze bomb. Okay. And you see the freeze bomb in action. There's three men kind of tied to a stake on an island somewhere and the freeze bomb goes off and it looks like, I don't know, Dartmoor in January. Uh, There's there's (laughs) a bit of snow on the ground and they've frozen to death in a bar. Apparently the scientists developed it so that there would be no more drought. It's weird. How's that work? Yeah, God knows. The title sequence as well, this is brilliant. At one point it says, introducing Myron Bruce Lee. Oh, meet the character played by Myron (laughs) Bruce Lee. They've cast someone with the name Bruce Lee in there purely to trade off that because there's a bit of kung fu going on in the film. The main hero um, is a black kung fu instructing police officer um, and he has to bring down an international crime syndicate, like from his local priest. It seems like a CIA job to me. Or yeah, They've just got yeah. a guy who teaches Kung Fu at lunchtime to <laughs> break him down. His captain is played by George Lazenby, who is just a, a bit of a, a shanky captain. Right. Um, and there's one point, there was a killing, and um, 
And all George Lazenby keeps saying is, why Haitian? Because this black guy reckons that the person who killed someone is Haitian. And he, he doesn't explain why for age George Lazenby is just saying, but why Haitian? It's like, and I'm going, yeah, why, why the fuck is he Haitian? <laughs> And like eventually, it's something about them like wearing a certain ring on their left hand. Or I just, right, um, there's a throat rip in it, which was quite cool. Um, oh, quite interesting. He in his karate lesson when he's teaching kung fu to other police people, he actually says at one point, "No roundhouse kicks or reckless swings could lead to a counter." I'm saying, oh, the fight scenes of this are going to be shit, then, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. If he's not going to bother using roundhouse kicks. But to be fair, there are a few fight scenes with a nunchuck in later on. So that's quite good. Um, oh, yeah. At one point, Lazenby, as Captain Gallagher tells him to search all Kung Fu Haitian Kung Fu experts in Nevada. Yeah, that doesn't give you much. Surely that's one. There can't be that many Haitian Kung Fu experts in all of Nevada. It's ridiculous. It, it's almost been written as a bad film. Um Oh, there's a great line as well when uh, our hero goes to sleep. With she says, I don't think I can make it without you. And he says, let's see if you can make it with me. Boom. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Sex. And then some people like get into their apartment and he fights them off, obviously. Um, he goes to a brothel at one point And not only is the brothel lineup of women one of the worst lineups of women full stop I've ever seen in my you know, um but the acting there was worse than any porn I've ever seen online. And I've seen, uh, but, um, <laughs> Manuel, yeah, it, it was terrible. Um, it was just a series of unconnected. Honestly, it do not watch this. It is terrible. It is the kind of film that when I was 18 and a dickhead, I would have raved about to my mates because I loved it in an ironic fashion. I've grown up. And I, I, I hate that I wasted my time watching this film. So that's my number two choice for George Lazenby. It seems like it could be one of Tarantino's favourite films from the way you've yes. described it. As, as, as a quick aside, how yes. does George Lazenby's outing as Bond rate? He only had the one outing. Interesting. Um, it's actually one of the better Bond films full stop. Uh, Honor Her Majesty's Secret Service is a really good Bond film. Um, it got a very personal story. Lazenby, I think Lazenby did a decent job as Bond, but apparently the he, Chubby Broccoli thought he was too uh, cocky as a youngster, and he was an Aussie as well, which doesn't quite sit right. Aussie and an ex male model, um, but he, he's he's a decent Bond, I think. Um, uh, yeah, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is a very good Bond film, actually. It's it's one worth watching, and he doesn't let it down. Put it that way. Okay, so uh, your number one ever George Lazenby film is actually a decent film. Hey, <laughs> um, it's a film called Who Saw Her Die. It's directed by Aldo Lado, and it is available on Love Film Instant. And it's an Italian Gallo film. Uh, really, really interestingly, it it features a couple who are kind of going through, they're estranged at the moment. They're not divorced yet. Um, and their daughter gets killed in Venice and they are, they spend the film looking for the, the murderer. And a lot of people at home are probably thinking, hang on, isn't that the plot to Don't Look Now? And, Interestingly, this was released a year before Don't Look Now, and there's a number of stylistic bits 
which I think Nick Rowe pretty much stole from this film. Although Don't Look Now is a brilliant film and is actually better than this film, in my opinion. But um, this is really good. The best bits about this film, uh, Who Saw a Die, are the direction. Uh, some of the shots of Venice are absolutely beautiful. And uh, Lado's camera seems to swoop almost anywhere it wants to go, which is fantastic. You, you're watching some of the tracking shots and thinking, how's he, how's he actually getting that shot? There's canal there. It's really, really beautifully shot. The other brilliant thing about it is it's got an Ennio Morricone soundtrack, which is always going to be good. Mm. Only doesn't do bad soundtracks, but this is a really good soundtrack, and he uses a children's choir for some of the scary bits, which is just really puts my teeth on edge listening to it. Um, there's quite a lot of, like a lot of these girl films, a lot of quick symbolic cuts which don't make much sense until you actually start thinking about what the things they're showing represent. Like something will be happening, and all of a sudden it will cut to some like ravens so you're like well why was okay oh maybe because death is being foreshadowed that kind of thing so you've got to do a bit of thinking there it's not just uh filming people doing stuff it's it is more from an artistic point of view there um george lazenby plays the father he plays franco uh who is a sculptor whose daughter dies and he is looking for the killer. And it's genuinely a very good performance from him. He is charming at the beginning. He he, feel, he has a nice dynamic and a relationship with his daughter. And you set them up. You think, oh, no, they, they get on really nice. It's going to be a real shame when she dies, which I know is going to happen. Um, but, and once she dies, he starts going very paranoid. He starts losing all his friends. He He plays it really well. My only trouble with understanding some of it was a lot of it is dubbed. Uh, and with a lot of these Gallo films, the Italian actors did their dialogue in Italian and English-speaking actors did their language in English. So it, it looks a bit odd at times. Do they have a conversation between the two? Yes, they do. In, in but, English and Italian. <laughs> but, but it's all dubbed. So the Italian mm. people are dubbed and it really doesn't match their lips. But then George Lazenby has also gone in and redubbed his dialogue. And it's almost like they didn't actually record any dialogue on set. Mm. Um, There's some films, though, in that genre where the dialogue will literally start, even though it's all dubbed, will start switching between English and Italian. That's really confusing. Yeah, that can be really a bit of a nightmare. And there's a few moments in here, um, almost like whether it's the Italian words where they go, well, everyone else must know what that means. And you go, no, no, yeah. no. Do this. <laughs> right, okay. um, but yeah, it was. Uh, oh yeah, at one point there was a really weird bit where he went out to investigate a, a similar death, and a man threatened to shoot him, then challenged him to a game of ping pong, which he had. <laughs> uh, that was odd. Uh, mm. I still get what happened there, but overall, I enjoyed it actually, and it was quite. It was a nice introduction to the Giallo films after seeing. Barbarian Sound Studio recently and absolutely loving that and um, seeing Owen's number one choice The Bird with the Crystal Plumage in mm. his 1970 decade article. I've recently got that as well so I'm looking forward to seeing a few yeah. more. Because I do think they're the types of films that you need to get into. They're an acquired taste but I'm hoping that I can acquire the taste and get some enjoyment out of them because you have to go in with different set of expectations I, th I think wouldn't you agree Owen you can't yeah I mean what you said earlier about you have to sort of sit there and 
appreciate that they're not literally representing something. There's this meaning behind certain scenes. So when they they kind of stand out as not having any kind of narrative purpose, what they're trying to do is is reinforce something else because the stories they often work with are fantastic. They were based on a lot of them are adapted from these pulp fiction kind of books. So when you when you're watching the film, you have to kind of appreciate what the director is doing with with it visually i think so yeah. you have to you have to really sort of focus on that side of it and sometimes ignore minor plot holes and stuff and just just go with it yeah and it's italian cities do provide some brilliant locations oh yeah uh, and there is just some fantastic camera work and editing and quite often a really good score and play as well um and like you say sometimes you've just got a slightly ignore or forgive the plots mm. but yeah I, I enjoyed it but yeah that's my best George. so it's my three favourite George Lazenby films it's my three films of George Lazenby that I have seen um <laughs> brilliant <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I have really... added Death Dimension to my love film list now whilst we were doing this podcast <laughs> oh can't <laughs> wait to talk to you about it. <laughs> um right Daniel Craig, my favourite three Daniel Craig films. I had Christian Bale for the Batman um, special as well. And I suffered a similar problem in, he's got a really iconic role, but he's not actually been in that much. You kind of think that, because they're a bit older and they're in these big roles, they have a really sort of big, long back catalogue of films to pick from. And he hasn't. (laughs) He actually hasn't. Let's see what you got, Jerry, and then we'll see how I'm not Jerry. To... Well, not Jerry. Oh, God, it's t- I'm tired. It's tired. See, I can't even talk. Um, Sorry, Steve. The first one, I'll go in chronological order. Uh, Layer Cake. Yeah. Um, 2004, directed by Matthew Vaughan. Um, so it's got a very uh, lock, stock and two smoking barrels and snatch feel to it, which doesn't surprise me if Matthew Vaughan's directing he he produced those two films and yeah. worked with Guy Ritchie and it's probably mates with Guy Ritchie. So a British gangster film is probably right up his alley and it certainly was a layer cake. Um, and it had that theme of, you know, three, four intertwined. I haven't seen it for a long time. Three or four different plots all kind of meet at the end to tie up the story um, quite nicely. Um, I haven't really watched it for a long time. I remember Daniel Craig unnamed throughout the whole film is kind of a a drug dealer, successful one but he doesn't really like the violence himself but conveniently as people in his industry do in films who don't like doing the violence, they've got people to do it for them. One of them yeah. is playing by Cole, it, it, Cole Meany. He doesn't even do the violence to begin with, does he? He's no. far more uh, he, he's kind of like just a slightly illegitimate businessman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got you know, Dexter Fletcher and Jason Fleming turn up in the film at various points as they have to. My in... good friend Jason Fleming. Oh yeah, we forgot to say that. And so there's um, <laughs> Jamie Foreman recently seen as one of the Brannings in EastEnders. Uh, it has got Michael Gambon in, yeah, uh, uh, who is incredible in everything he's ever in. So I love Layer Cake. I think Layer Cake's a fantastic mm, film. It is, and I think Matthew Vaughan is a really, really good director. I think he's going to make... Because he's done Kick-Ass as well, and uh, Stardust was great, and he did the most recent X-Men. I think he's going to make some brilliant films over the next few years. He's not... uh, Daniel Craig isn't the only Skyfall actor to appear in Layer Cake. 
Hang on. Ben Wishaw, who plays oh, Q, is is in there playing. Um, he plays Sydney Jamie Foreman character, the Duke's nephew, who is a bit of an idiot. But, oh, yeah. I'll um, have to rewatch that again, though. But is is going out with Sienna Miller, so I mean, there's some perks to everything, <laughs> I suppose. I mean, I'd be happily that much of an idiot if that happened to me. <laughs> but it won't. I'm not that much of an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, um, a good film in in the style of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, but um, very good all the same. Um, the next film on my list is Munich. Again, not seen it for a long time, so someone might have to talk. Somebody actually can communicate a sentence you know about films. I've, I've never watched to... Munich. No, I've not got around to it. I'm going to have to wing my way through this yeah. subject area on my own then. Um, basically, the 1972 Olympics in Munich, some of the um, Israeli team were... Uh, 11 Israeli athletes were murdered um, by um, Black September members, which I can't quite remember. What black, they're a terrorist group, but I can't I think they remember were, what they're um, connected to uh, Palestine. Um, I think that would be fair to say. So the Israeli government devises an eye for eye list of retaliation of 11 people um, who they assume are responsible in some way for this um, thing happening um, and end up having to fix some way of plausible deniability so they can't get the blame themselves. And a group of um, well, they're Jewish people, um, led by a character called Avner, played by Eric Banner, um, and featuring Daniel Craig as a um, a South African driver called Steve, um, end up going around and trying to hunt down these eleven people on this list and assassinate them. So it's it's obviously got some kind of moral underpinning to the story, but it's also a really good thriller as well. Um, and shot on in many different locations, set in many different places, from New York, London, Spain, um, Munich, the Middle East, basically all around the world. Nominated for five Oscars as well. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've always assumed it's one of Spielberg's worst films. Cause it just doesn't... Just, I remember seeing trailers for it and thinking it it's, it's, doesn't... Like, well, it's very well... Received, nominated for, like I said, five Oscars. Um, what was I? Yeah, that's not always a good judge, though. For no, it's, it's got, it does quite well. I'm trying to find where it had the rate. It, it, it rates really highly, highly on different, you know, review mm. websites that I'm trying to find now. And 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, 7.7 on IMDb, yeah. Yeah. So it's fairly, fairly steady. I, I, I've been meaning to watch it. It's just mm. uh, there's so many films to like watch. Said, but, yeah. mm, but it's like I said, there's so many, there's so little Daniel Craig films to pick from as well. It's Cowboys and Aliens, Steve. Yeah, I didn't go from that. I've not seen it, but I've, <laughs> was surprised. it was it you that reviewed it for us? You yes. said it was terrible. Yeah, it looked terrible. So, well, what's your third one then, Steve? Uh, it is the, from last year, the girl with a dragon tattoo. I'd never read the book because it's a book and I've got a life. <laughs> uh, that's, that's only a joke, obviously. Um, I haven't got a life. 
<laughs> and I've never seen the original Swedish one because it is Swedish, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because that would involve reading subtitles and I've got a life. <laughs> Obviously not. Um, but no, I, I don't know if it's a, it's a good translation of the book to film or if it's a good version of the original one, but I just thought it was a good film throughout really it was you know entertaining it was it was, you know, it was a combination of good action a good plot the characters were um in you know you wanted to follow their characters through the film to the conclusion and see what happened to them daniel craig wasn't the best performance in it by a mile it was the the lisbeth slander played by rooney mara yeah um mm. have either of you seen the film i've not seen that one no I've got the originals on DVD. Mm. I'm just, I want to watch those before I watch the, the remake and, uh, just finding the time to sit and watch three two and a half hour long films before I watch that one. But I mean, I've heard good things about it though. Yeah, it I've was, that... it, it was really good. Uh, Daniel Craig doesn't attempt Swedish accent at all. Very no. Sean Connery in that respect. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what Daniel Craig films have you guys seen? I haven't mentioned. I can't. Um, I really like Enduring Love, the um, adaptation of an Ian McEwan novel uh, where uh, Daniel Craig is one of a number of people who are out picnicking and a hot air balloon goes past and there's a little girl trapped on it and uh, a few of them jump up to grab it to try and keep it to the ground and it starts rising and Daniel Craig's one of the people who lets go and obviously when they let go, the people who... the there's one person who stays kind of like trying to drag it back down, gets pulled up and falls from the balloon and dies. And then there's quite a kind of psychological horror behind, well, not horror, psychological thriller. Risa Fans plays someone else who was there that day and he starts kind of stalking Daniel Craig. It's a really interesting film. But a lot of my favourite Daniel Craig performances come from television, actually, because he was um, in, I think it was a Robert Harris adaptation called Archangel that was set in Russia hmm. uh, on BBC TV. I, I enjoyed that. See, I started and... watching that because I was I looked on Netflix US for stuff with him in. Yeah. And usually on Netflix US it tells you if things are a uh, TV series or not. And they have you like TV it. it have like TV <laughs> however many episodes and it didn't for this. I thought that's a film with Daniel Craig in it. So I watched it and it got to the end of the first part and I thought, well, this isn't even a film, so I'm not even going to bother watching it anymore. If it's good, I'll carry on watching it at some point. But I, just I liked it. I yeah. enjoyed it. Um, but it, I think his big breakthrough was in Our Friends in the North, where mm. he played Geordie and that, and he, he's really, really good in that. Um, right. Yes, that's it for this week's Triple Bill. What's next week's Triple Bill? Next week's Triple Bill is... Oh, duh. It's either going to be our favourite men and women of the cloth, or we might give people our scary films triple bill that we've still not given them yet. I don't know. There'll there'll be a triple bill. There we go. That's what that's what I'll tell you. If for we now. if we what do our favourite men and women of the cloth, all four of us will pick Whoopi Goldberg from Sister Act Two. <laughs> Interesting. You you went for the sequel there, Steve. I think it's not a better a fan film. Of the original. <laughs> like a Sister Act Two more than Sister Act One. <laughs> Just, just me though. I mean, yeah. Technically, we can't pick her because she's not actually a nun in the film. Uh, doesn't pre- she become a nun for the second one though? No, she just pretends to be one. Again, yeah. Oh, nice twist. Yeah. So, 
So technically, yeah, but if we can't, that means I can't have um, Eric Idle and Robbie Coltrane from Nuns on the Run either. No, that's true. <laughs> um, maybe we should I'm be not so thought this through. Yeah, we should be so strict <laughs> with this. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, that'll do for this week then. Uh, thanks yes. for James and Jerry for, for joining me. Thanks for Jerry um, for and Owen and me. Yeah, and Owen. Um, <laughs> it's late. What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, thanks, thanks to you lot. Thanks to everyone listening. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music and, um, see you next week.